Okay, who are we? Okay, yeah. Alright, who are we? Who are we? Who are we? We are Holy Spirit empowered. Servants like, like Jesus. Jesus. We are. We are. We are the hospitable family of Jesus. We are. We are strategic missionaries for Jesus. We are disciples devoted to Jesus. We are helping people find and follow Jesus. We are. We are City Gates. We are City Gates. Oh my God, you nailed it! Memory kicked in. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, this is this is a weird experience. I mean, we. I uh, just spent uh, like maybe 10, 15 minutes at uh, the other two watch parties uh, before we came here. And um, I can just tell you now that they don't run on the same schedule. All right. So uh, some people arrived after us. So they're having a good Sunday afternoon. It seems like here at the, at the waypoint, things happen at, you know, clockwork, <laughs> which is good. Um, so, you know, a couple of them will, uh, you know, join us again, I guess, on screen. Um, it was so good to see so many uh, faces again and, uh, and obviously thankful to be here. I know there's lots of guests as well, and you might think, you don't really know what's going on. Who is this guy? Uh, some of you um, have forgotten who we are because uh, we haven't seen you for about, um, about three months uh, or so. And so, uh, yeah, it's really, really great to be back. And um, we'll get to speak to you after the meeting. Uh, we got to speak to them, of course, before, before the meeting. So... I walked in there. You guys were praying. And by the way, congratulations uh, to uh, you know, the Wickerton. Is that how you pronounce it? Family? Um, you know, when I left, we were a you know, family of, of one and now three, you know. And uh, even at some of the, um, the watch parties, I think there were more children than adults. I, I think it's, it's – so something happened. I don't know. Something, something happened at City Gates, you know. New pregnancies and all sorts of awesome things. So it's really fantastic. But walked in here. You guys were praying. Uh, and I opened up my computer, pressed print. I'm like, all right, the network still works, you know. <laughs> and, as, and, and I just picked up my notes out of there and, uh, you know, gave Toby a hug. And here I am. So just give me a few, few seconds. I just need to, like, pinch myself. What's happening over here? This, this, this feels bizarre. But, I mean, listen, before I talk about uh, just a couple of musings, just a few things uh, that I'd love to share with you, uh, you know, on our first Sunday back. Just well done to your city gators. I mean, the fact that. I'm able to go to two watch parties, see so many people. You guys are doing this thing over here, um, especially Courtney, who is obviously on staff. Uh, she's done an amazing job just making sure this church keeps running. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. So if you're, at, if you're at home, make sure you clap there as well. I don't know, maybe record it. Send a WhatsApp to her. I want her to know she's so loved and appreciated. Um, she's done an outstanding job supporting, of course, Toby and Mike, who are marketplace elders, but she's the one, she's the glue that keeps it all together. So, Courtney, I can see you kind of through the windows here. Really appreciate all that you've done. And, of course, I want to say thank you to you as City Gages as well. You've been so faithful uh, in our absence. You know, it, it seems like the church runs almost better, you know, so I don't know what that means. But, uh, yeah, really, really proud of you. So, thank you and well done from me. Um, last week, I did preach from the Bible. Uh, in England, right? So, you know, our last stop was actually attending a conference uh, movement in England. And so I did get to open up the Bible last week. And, uh, you know, I hadn't preached for like 12, 13 weeks. So that church got the worst of me. Um, <laughs> but 
But today I'm actually not even going to crack open the Bible. So it's a little weird. Normally, I mean, I know you're in the middle of a series and that's also, I know you guys have done amazing, the preaching team. Um, but I do just want to share just a couple of things uh, that, that I felt like would be appropriate, you know, on my first Sunday back. And uh, these are not things, just so you know, that I'm sharing to sort of justify our time off, you know, just kind of show you, hey, you know, although I wasn't here, I was busy and we were busy. Um, but, but also not to say we didn't just sit down and sort of binge watch Netflix for three, three, <laughs> three months, you know. Actually, it was a meaningful, not a meaningless time off. And I want to share a couple of those learnings, you know, so... I mean, it's not a sermon, so you don't need a title, um, but so I'll talk about our break a little bit. And I'll break it up into four categories for you to make it easy. Uh, we were able to give ourselves, and me in particular, of course, I'm on staff and my family benefited from uh, my sabbatical uh, by also being absent. Um, but, you know, life carried on for my kids. They went to school. My wife, you know, runs a business just down the road. She had to keep going. So um, although it was primarily for me as a family, we were able to give ourselves intentionally and restfully to these four things, to family, when I say family, I mean marriage and children, uh, to friendship, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit, but, but you know, I, um, we, we've only been in Canada for seven and a bit years, and so we have friendship that runs deep and that uh, we can trace back to when we were children, um, and I could give myself and ourselves to fun, um, things that fill our tanks, things that we may have had to push aside, you know, in the busyness of certainly the last two years, and then, of course, faith. So family, friendship, fun, and faith. And I'll just quickly touch on a few things. And, you know, obviously encouraging you as you take breaks, you know, rest each week. Maybe you can also think about those four Fs in your life. Okay. I don't know why we always end up with F words here at <laughs> City Gates, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> okay. So family uh, is the first one. You know, our marriage. So thankful that my wife and I were able to kick off our sabbatical celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary. And we were able to do it in uh, Punta Cana. So we were able to uh, go to a sunny beach. You know, we're South Africans. We love, we feed off the sun. Again, you know, Lord, why did you call us to cold Canada? But anyway, we were able to sort of cut this winter in half and, uh, and uh, just be together. That's the start of our sabbatical. The end of our sabbatical, we were able to go to Quebec and, uh, and actually do a marriage retreat, spend a couple of days together in a marriage seminar and invest in our marriage. We were laughing because we thought, you know, we probably should have done the marriage seminar first and then go to Punta Cana, you know. But anyway, that's just the way things worked out. And it was amazing. And, and I do feel like, uh, you know, the, the organization in particular, Family Life Canada, did an outstanding job. We have been married for 20 years. I think we've been married for 20 years because we keep doing these things, you know. Uh, we don't like to kind of do premarital counseling and then hope for the best, you know. But we've been investing in our marriage over, over the years. And uh, that particular one we attended was so impactful. We want to share it with our church. And I know they do lots of marriage retreats all over the country. Very local. It's very Canadian, uh, very missional. So you don't have to be a Christian to be on it, but they do an outstanding job at, uh, at uh, you know, sharing the biblical principles, the gospel with people that are in, are in attendance. Um, awesome discussions. Like they just, we just felt like it's one of the best ones we've, we've been on. We'd love to maybe, and maybe uh, some of you that are married or, or wanting to get married would uh, get to do that as well. So that's, that's marriage, uh, you know, under family. Another one under family is obviously our kids, just lots of meals together. We love to eat together anyway as a family, but I think we kind of doubled that quotient, you know, breakfast and lunches and dinners together. So good. Uh, we did a couple of devotions together. We genuinely put church on hold. I went to church once in 12 weeks and it was in Portland. I'll talk a bit about that in a moment. But as a family, you know, just sit down, not following some fancy curriculum, just crack open the Bible, you read that, you read that, you read that, 
what did what did you what stood out to you and my kids just afterwards saying that was so meaningful you know sometimes they say oh, i think there's a little nicer than church you know because of course parents are like get up i know you're tired i'm the pastor you come to church right now you can't sleep in all right i need you to help set up uh and so for them to experience like family devotions and around the scriptures just in a relaxed way uh was such a gift and so thank you for that you know um so yeah devotions together travel together you know we uh, we traveled uh, to the States. You know, we went to uh, Florida, to Disney World. Uh, first experience for us as a South African family. Uh, it's quite something. <laughs> um, and uh, we took them with us to England as well, like the last 10 days or so of, uh, of our trip. Uh, where they were able to travel with us. So we're just making memories together. It was just so, so good. So thank you for that. Um, just on that, I read um, a book on parenting. Actually, all those books are in my bag at the back there. I don't know if... Um, if you, if you don't mind, but you're going to have to dip your head it's just not in front of the camera. There you go, baby. Let's see. No, no one can see you. That's good. Uh, I, 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 would, I read um, like almost six books on, on sabbatical, but one of them, which wasn't on my reading list that I wanted to do, was actually a book on parenting that I picked up in a church in Portland. And it's uh, different. Yeah, just those two. Yeah. So it's called um, Never Say No. You guys know my, my parenting style. I'm, you know, I, I say no a lot, maybe, to my children. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe I was really intrigued by this one because it was written by the parents of John and Tim Foreman, which is uh, the front men of uh, you know, the band Switchfoot, one of my favorite bands. Um, so it caught my attention. But just a book that I felt like I could recommend, and maybe to the new families here, in our day. You know, the parenting books that my wife and I read, uh, you know, started about 20 years ago. And sometimes it's hard to recommend a 20-year-old book to, like, young families. Uh, certainly, you know, 20 years ago, we read it in South Africa, and raising children in Canada is very different. I felt like we found a book that we could say, hey, get your teeth into this. Lots of values here, and gives you permission to work out the values your way in your context. You know, so it's not crazy prescriptive, but just was so encouraged by this. Many of these values we felt we had. Many of these we felt we've dropped the ball on and we picked it up again. But this was just a great way to invest in our family and we'd love to share this with you. It's called Never Say No, written by Mark and John Foreman. Right, so that's the first F, family. Second F is friendships. I won't spend too much time there, but I can tell you uh, the artist Ben Rector became a little bit of a soundtrack to my sabbatical and he, he wrote this song called Old Friends. Um, that, uh, that He has this line in there that says... Um, you can't make new friends. Uh, sorry, you can't make old friends. Uh, you know, yeah, you can make new ones, and we have certainly made new friends. I mean, I'm staring at a lot of new friends in front of me in the last seven years. But, um, but something you can't make is an old friend because they, you know, they have to start way back. So I was able to reconnect with some old friends, um, and uh, some of them in, in America, the USA, uh, some of them in England, and then, of course, spoke uh, to, to many others um, and so, so thankful that really filled out or filled my friendship tank for sure. Um, the third one, very quickly, uh, is fun. Uh, you know, uh, having some, some intentional fun. Um, one of them is actually, you know, doing the things that, or, or, or doing the stuff that fills the tank. And music is a, is a big part of that. Many of you might think that um, this doesn't make any sense because I am involved, of course, in music uh, at City Gates. Uh, get to lead worship here and there. But actually, in the last seven to ten years, um, music's actually taken a pretty much of a backseat uh, in my life. Um, and I felt almost like in Genesis 26, when, when Isaac had to reopen some of Abraham's wells that uh, like the Philistines had blocked up. 
felt like God gave me, gave me an opportunity to unblock that. And, and so some of you might know, I, I even got to release a little album, a little EP that I got to do the last month and a half of my sabbatical. And I uh, just felt the Lord give me permission to sort of resurrect that a little bit because it has gr- gone into the shadows and, you know, wells supply us with water and nourishment. And if you block up a well, you grow a little dry in certain areas. And I felt like there was some dry, dry bits in my life. Um, and this was certainly like a fresh sprinkling of life again. Um, but, you know, it uh, wasn't just that. I took a guitar course. I'm still running, uh, running a guitar course, just investing in that craft a little bit. Um, you know, I love to run. I actually entered an ultra marathon, which I'm running in South Africa in August. So training, you know, uh, ramped up a, a little bit there. And of course, things like traveling. We love to travel as a family. It's a value of ours. It's expensive to travel. But if something's really valuable to you, you're worth, you know, it's worth the price. And so, you know, taking our children with us, uh, traveling, chasing the sun in many, many cases uh, was really wonderful. So a lot of fun. And then lastly, um, which really... Uh, is probably the most important one, but it's not disconnected from them, uh, is, you know, the, the faith component to a sabbatical uh, or to my sabbatical in particular. And this is where, um, you know, it, it can be quite a challenge because my job is to crack open the scriptures. My job is to teach and to preach, is to lead a church, is to disciple people to find and follow Jesus. And so when you take a sabbatical, you might think, okay, you stop from work. And so what does that mean? That I push Jesus aside, you know, and, uh, and saying, well, I'm, I'm on break, Lord, you know, uh, I'll see you in three months. Of course, you know, if our relationship with Jesus is fundamental to, you know, who we are, it's disconnected from vocation as well. But so often people in ministry uh, can wrap up their identity and their worth and what they do, you know, in what they do. Um, and, and, uh, and this was a real gift for me to be, um, to be investing in that component apart from my vocation, apart from the fact that I, yeah, I have to read my Bible because I'm preaching on Sunday, you know. Um, so, first of all, to be fully present in these moments and, and to be fully present in the fun and the family and, uh, and the other F, what was that? Thank you very much. Uh, there we go. You guys are still taking notes. I like that. Uh, you know, in order to be fully present with those, uh, you, you have to carve out. And, and carve is a strong word. You, you have to make time for that. Uh, you have to disconnect and unplug from any distractions. So the thing that I want to share with you first in terms of investing in faith is actually a, a digital disconnect. Very intentionally, if you sent an email to, to me at City Gates, Vic at City Gates, I, I set up not just an autoresponder, but an auto delete. I dumped your email into a bin and the autoresponder said, I'm not replying to anything. Email me again in May. Okay. Uh, and it was such a gift to, 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 to not even worry about a piled up bunch of emails I might have to deal with when, you know, three months worth of emails. Just disconnect completely. Um, but of course, it had to do with everything, social media, not just email, internet, um, and, and, and all of those things that actually eat up the bandwidth that we actually need when we rest uh, to feel, to think. A, a, techno- a technological fast created actually some margin, some space for, for, for thinking and feeling that I hadn't experienced in, in a long time. You know, our phones in particular, they, they do rob us uh, of that Psalm 121 uh, instruction to lift up our eyes to the hills to see where our help comes from. You know? And often we see the hills, we see the majestic wonders in creation, sometimes through our screens. It's like, yeah, we look up, but it's like for Instagram. You know, we want to take a nice picture of the ocean or the lakefront or the beach or something. And, uh, and to be able to put that thing aside and to, you know, 
to, to not see it through a filter or through a camera lens um, is such a gift. And, uh, and, and so a few things about that digital disconnect I want to share with you is that um, if we don't do that, actually, uh, we don't think about one thing only long and hard. <laughs> that, that's one of the amazing things that these three months afforded me is actually just to stop and without an interruption to think about something and to keep thinking about it. And then to keep thinking about it. And so, you know, you think long and you think hard about something and actually form and fashion your ideas and your thoughts around particular things um, that I think technology robs us of. You know, of course, tipping the scales, being around things that the Lord has made. I'm talking about nature, like uh, being around those things more than around things that man has made. You know, living in the city or living in the suburbs meant that wherever you look, you can see something that, you know, people made. And actually disconnecting digitally and finding yourself out in God's creation means that you're actually tipping those scales. You you see more the things that the Lord has made as opposed to the things that you have made. Sabbath allowed me and and will allow us to notice his work. So the work that he is doing both outside, you know, and inside of us. Like being able to think about what is the Lord doing inside me without a ping interrupting me or or so on, you know. Um, uh, I'm so thankful for that. So. Disconnect digitally invested in my faith. Um, another thing I realized uh, is that I'm very thirsty right now. And if somebody could send me, I don't know, just a little something like two fingers, you know, just a little something wet, I'd be appreciative of that. But uh, on a serious note, a Sabbath is something you have to take. Thanks so much, Andrew. A Sabbath is something you have to take. What I mean by that, I mean, my wife said to me, please don't say it like that. It sounds harsh. It's something you have to receive. It is a gift. It's not something that just happens, hopefully, when you're done with something. It's like, okay, now I can rest. Actually, that's not the way Scripture instructs us to, to, to handle the Sabbath, to handle a rest. You have to take it. It's offered to you, but you have to receive it. As I was thinking, as I was thinking about you know, my season, spent seven and a bit years at City Gates, and, uh, which is why a Sabbath kind of fits sort of after that seven year. Time. It's a biblical principle, principle, really. Realize that the first sermon I ever preached at City Gates, before I was even living in Canada, was six months, I think, before we moved, we came to visit to check out this church. And, I, and the first sermon I preached, I preached my vice verse. Remember when we did vice verses, that sermon where everybody said, oh, this verse me- really means a lot to me. I preached out of Philippians chapter 3, where Paul really says, look, I achieved a lot of things, but I counted as loss. For the sake of knowing Jesus. I, I preached that sermon to City Gate saying, I have a problem. I am an achiever. Like, I like to do things. I like to finish things. That's what I do. And that's how I'm wired. And, and although that's a good thing in terms of accomplishing stuff, it's also a bad thing because I can wrap up my sense of self-worth in the things that I do and how much of it I do. And this allowed me to really fast from. Like my Sabbath was a fasting from work. In other words, I had some hunger pains. There were moments where I was like, I got to do something. My wife forbade me of uh, stepping into my garage or do it, you know, like she was so good, so helpful. But I had to like deal with the hunger pains um, of wanting to perform, achieve, accomplish. Um, and, and when I shared this at City Gates, like, you know, almost eight years ago, I, I said it's really counter gospel because, you know, the gospel tells us nothing you do make God love you more or less like it's everything that he has done for you rest in that that's really what true sabbath means in Jesus is that you rest from your work to try and impress or save yourself or own God's love and uh and and I'm so thankful for the gospel because 
I just thought to myself, without that, if I just had to stop as an achiever, that's like one of my, you know, strength finding gifts. Like I would have had a horrible time. <laughs> like if I did not have the Lord's love for me, apart from what I do, I don't know if I would have been able to survive for three months. But not everybody's wired that way. That's my, my particular way. But I'm so thankful more now for the gospel than I was before, that I know the Father loves me apart from those things. So I had to take it. The, off, the Sabbath was offered to me. And I had to take it. And you have to take it too. You know, most spiritual disciplines require you to give. Give of your time, give so on. But, but a Sabbath requires you to take, to receive it. Uh, one of the things I saw in Exodus, um, verses, chapters 25 to 31, are the instructions for how to build the tabernacle, like how to build the Lord's house. And for me, it connected a little bit because, you know, leading a local church is sort of a, a metaphor for a tabernacle, the place where the Lord meets with his people. And it's amazing. It's like these chapters of, of instructions, do it like this, do this with this, you know, color, with that, with this, with this instrument, with these people, just detailed instructions, so much work to be done. And I love how Exodus 31 ends off the Lord saying, above all, above all, remember the Sabbath. There was a sense that he was saying, because of the amount of work that is required, you better rest, you better remember the Sabbath. Uh, and, and, uh, and that was a real encouragement for me. Precisely because there's so much to be done for the kingdom of God. We need to be intentional. We need to take rest, take Sabbaths, you know. It's a gift. I think of Jesus when he said the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. In those moments, he was obviously confronting how they used the Sabbath. They were very legalistic. But when Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, he's saying, listen, there's a day set aside for you to invest in family, faith, friendship, and fun. It's a gift. Take it. And if you only ever stop... When you're tired or when you're finished, I promise you, you will not stop enough because the job will never be done. And you always think you can push through just a little harder. And if you're too busy to, you know, to stop, to read, to go on a date, to eat together as a family, then you're just too busy. You need to know that if you can't get to those things, there's a problem. Take the Sabbath. It's a gift that's given you. And, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned and alluded to a little bit that a digital fast uh, allowed for, but taking a Sabbath meant that in my heart, when you get busy, you know, when you have, I don't know, like, you know, river water or something. And uh, you walk, you walk back home because you took some water from the beach or somewhere. It shakes up the water and there's sediment in the water. You, you know, it's pretty murky. And you just got to put it down and wait for the sediment to settle. And when it settles, you can see clearly. You can see what's in. And, and stopping Taking a Sabbath allows that sediment in our hearts to settle. It was amazing for my wife and I, as we started talking and thinking without any distractions, to go, oh my gosh, that's what's in there. And now I can deal with it. But I didn't know what was in my busy, murky heart because I was so busy running around, not stopping as I should, as the Lord asks of me to do. And, uh, and I am thankful for that. And, you know, I, I saw a spiritual director. It's not a counselor. It's just somebody that would sit with me and allow me to talk. For, and, and allow me to, to discern what the Lord is saying to me in certain moments. And, and so with this, taking the Sabbath and the sediment settling and talking out these things, uh, tremendous growth took place, you know, without it feeling like work. <laughs> it was actually stopping that allowed us to discover some of those things. And so that's maybe the, the, the third thing under the faith thing is that, you know, I'm not a journaler. Do I look like a journaler to you? You know, I'm not a person who necessarily like, like to write down my feelings, but I... I, I did, I've done it before, and I take notes when sermons happen and so on, but I, I picked up this discipline of journaling. Because here's the thing. When you stop and you sit 
and you think about one thing for long and hard, I also have this memory problem. Is that unless I write it down, I forget it. And some of the things that I think about, the Lord is showing me it's really profound. But if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget it two weeks from now. And so being able to write it down, that discipline. I'm so thankful for the scriptures. The scriptures were written down for us. People wrote it down. In your corporate world, you think about it. Unless you write something down, make it a policy, make it official, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good discipline even in the corporate world to, 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 to safeguard scenarios. We write it down. And I want to say in your spiritual walk and encourage you uh, to write things down. Write down what the Lord says to you. Well, what do you write down? You may ask. Well, again, as I was saying to you, my job was generally to study the scriptures because I've got to preach a sermon on a Sunday. And when you take that thing away, to be able to just sit with the Lord's word, with the Bible open on your lap, with no sermon to prep and so on. Like, I just want to say that genuinely works in terms of your faith. You're growing with Jesus. If you depend entirely on sermons that's being preached on a Sunday or maybe some things that's shared at a community group midweek, um, I mean, it'll do the job. But I tell you, just cracking open your Bible, reading to discover Jesus in there every day. Like that, that still works. <laughs> that, that's, that, it, it's, it's so simple, isn't it? I mean, I, like I said, I read almost six books on sabbatical, but the scriptures were truly enough. I mean, I read a book on prayer. Like this is another one I read. I can really recommend it for, to you. Uh, Pete Gregg, How to Pray, a simple guide f- uh, for normal people. Uh, amazing book about, you know, the discipline of praying. Um, I'm thankful for this. But about 20 city gators before I left started this thing called Seeing Jesus Together, which is just a daily devotional tool. It's not a Bible reading plan. It's just a tool that we do in community where every day a bunch of us open up the Bible. We read the same verses. We share what the Lord is saying to us from those verses. And I took a break from that community when we went on sabbatical. But my wife and I, we were the community. We did that. And, you know, the Lord is so faithful and, and, and uh, met with him every day so powerfully. And, and I'm so excited about that because I think this, you know, churches can have all these um, programs, you know. We're going to do this program. We're going to run this course. Actually, we have the Bible, and, and, and it, it's all those courses and those programs are often just based on the scriptures. And, and I feel for our church, our church in particular, particular, this is a discipleship strategy moving forward. And I want to invite you. There's 20 city gators that's currently reading the, the scriptures together every, every day. But we're going to throw it open wider. The, the person who actually formulated this tool is coming in June. June 15th and 16th. And so, you know, we're going to make more of these journals available to other city gators. So if you're interested in that, maybe chat to the office, chat to Toby, to myself. June 15th and June 16th will be training on that particular tool. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't um, commend it more highly uh, than, I, than I've been trying to do right now. Hopefully you can join us in that. So, you, you know, the question was, what do you write down? Well, you write down those things that the Lord shows you as you open up your Bible in prayer every day. Three more things, very quickly. One of the most uh, profound moments that I experienced uh, on my sabbatical was, the Bible calls it shalom, which is a a, a very deep word for peace. Peace, uh, you know, in every area of your life, you know. And uh, 
one of the things that was encouraged me, so journaling is something I don't normally do and being on my own in, in solitude. That's not, I'm, a, I'm a, like a people person. I love hanging out. You know, I would always choose people over preparing a sermon, to be honest with you. And people said to me, hey, man, um, as, I, as I got counsel, what would, how would I use my sabbatical best? They said, just do a solitary silent retreat. So I said, okay, let me give it a go, you know. So I booked two nights in a monastery in Portland. I saw an old friend in Portland after that, but uh, it was uh, like a Benedictine uh, a monastery with a bunch of monks. Um, beautiful setting. It was on a little hill, a little town called Mount Angel. The abbey was on the top there. And I thought it's going to be the worst two days of my life. All right. I'm like, no talking, no people really. I mean, how's this going to work? And uh, I was very surprised, <laughs> actually, how wonderful it was. In fact, I came back to Canada and I booked two nights at the Jesuit retreat just around the corner uh, over here as well. Um, and, uh, and I tell you, I learned um, in those moments how to be with Jesus, how to do things with Jesus uh, as opposed to doing things for Jesus. Because that was kind of like a trend for the longest time. And I had to learn how to move from loneliness to intimacy with Jesus. One of the questions they would ask you is like, what's on the other side of boredom? Remember, I said, my problem is I'm an achiever. I got to do something. And so this question, oh, Lord, what's going to wait for me on the other side of boredom? I was pretty, pretty anxious about it. But the Lord is so faithful because Jesus was on the other side of that. And I realized that, no, it's, uh, although it's solitude, you're not alone. You are with Jesus, the true friend. And, and, and I said one of the Fs on my sabbatical was friendships. I, I value friendships hugely. I've got some really good old friends. And uh, it was a cost for us to leave some of those friends to come here and make new friends. Okay. But loneliness can be a deep invitation to friendship with the Lord. I've had to, I had to learn that, you know. Even as we had to say goodbye to some new friends for a few months, you had strict instructions not to bother us, you know. And, and so in those lonely moments, those solitude moments, met with the friend, the, the, the truest friend, Jesus. So thankful for that. And in, in, in one of those solitary moments, I really had a supernatural shalom experience. Maybe it was only 45 seconds. I don't know. how, But I remember just sitting one morning. I had read a bit. I had prayed. Open up the scriptures. I had a bad cup of coffee next to me. Okay. And coffee is a high value for me as well. If some of you might know. Bad cup of coffee next to me. There was a little fountain and I could look out over some Portland Hills. And for about 45 seconds, I experienced shalom in solitude. Like no people, no talking, just like a taste of what eternity without any burdens, any fear, any anxiety. And I'm like, Lord, if this is what we are to look forward to, I, I, I want to I help others find you in this profound way. And I, and I found it on my own. Okay, so a lot of people might go, oh, there we go. We don't need church. Okay, I just, just me and Jesus. Vic, you just said it. Okay, so let me finish my story. That was, that was uh, shalom in solitude that I experienced. Amazing. But that following Sunday, I did go to a church in Portland. One of my friends actually was being appointed as a deacon in a church that Loves the city. Um, it's, it's a church uh, that, that uh, is called Bridgetown. You, might, you can look it up if you want to. Um, and I remember, this is the only church service you know, I went to on my sabbatical. Standing there, singing with God's people. Seeing this church uh, live out their faith in Jesus as they love their community. 
And in that moment, I, I realized, look, I am tired precisely because of the church, because I've poured my life out, you know, for many, more than the seven years in Canada, but for, for, for decades. And I've gotten to this place of sabbatical because I've, I've, I've worked for this bride. And in many ways, I, I, you know, I wanted to stay away for longer. But as I stood there, I experienced the same shalom moment singing songs about Jesus with other Jesus followers, seeing the kingdom of God being advanced, seeing the presence of Jesus carried by the people of Jesus. And I wasn't alone. I was with God's people. And so, I mean, these two things, friends, I, it, was, it was such an amazing lesson that, yes, we do need to break away like Jesus did. Jesus loved people, served people, healed people, taught people, but then often he would break away. But he would stay away. He'd come back to the people of God. And we can find that shalom. Now, in this moment, even though it's boiling hot here in the waypoint, and I'm almost finished, but also when we just us and Jesus, no, no, don't think, oh, I'm going to be bored, just me and my Bible. You will not be if you open your heart to Jesus. So thankful for those two moments. And of course, got to experience that um, even on our, at our global conference when we traveled the last 10 days of our sabbatical, we went to England and we got to see some of the old friends who lead churches, who do ministry in other parts of the world, not just South Africa, but in England and in America and in Australia and, um, and in Af other parts of Africa. Like, they again experienced like, the kingdom of God and, and the peace that we can long, look forward to. And I want to sort of end off by encouraging you um, as city gators, as Canadians, of course, I, I, I kind of encouraged you to be on your own with Jesus. I encourage you to be in this local community, this church. Like you can find supernatural shalom here. And now I'm encouraging you to lift your gaze a little bit and look at the worldwide church. In particular, we, we're part of a family of churches all over the world. And now, now let me share like a personal little challenge for us. Okay, so, so we love traveling. We're South Africans. We have a South African passport. It's probably the worst passport to have in the, on the planet, Okay. <laughs> Give me an example. We traveled two hours. Okay, first of all, I could not fly out of a Toronto airport to anywhere in the world, really, because I didn't have my Canadian visa renewed. I tried twice. It only happened on the second term. But in February, they told me, oh, no, we declined your application. I had to try again. So if I wanted to go anywhere, I had to drive out of the country to Buffalo so that from there I could fly to Punta Cana to fly to Portland because I couldn't fly out of you might not understand this as a Canadian, but that's just the rules, okay? Like, I couldn't, I, could, I had to encounter a border official at a land border because people at the airport just fly planes. They don't, they're not border officials. So it wouldn't have worked. So we had to drive to Buffalo, get to Buffalo, or get to Niagara Falls border crossing with all of our passports, okay? Because realizing the American visas for our children are in their old passports, and so uh, I had to add four hours to my trip, you know, very, very wonderful character building moment, you know, driving back to my house just to walk in, pick up four passports and drive back to Niagara so that we could just cross over into America. And I think you Canadians, you can just cross over with your driver's license or something as simple as that, you know. So, 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 so another thing, you know, for order for us to go to England to be able to attend this global conference, like everyone in my family needs a visa. And it's, and it's, it's a lot of money for only like, Six months that I could go to, go to England. You know, after that time, they would deny me. And, and I have to fill in a form. Like I had to take up maybe two days of my sabbatical filling a form in for each or every one of my children. They asked my children who their parents are. They asked me who my parents were. They asked me where I've been traveling to for the last 10 years. Like these are the kinds of questions we as South Africans have to answer. Okay. 
Then I have to make an appointment. I have to go there. Then I have to spend money so I can probably get that visa in time so that I could, in fact, fly off to, to the UK. I mean, my ticket, I had to book to New York City in case my Canadian visa didn't come through. So what I may, you know, might have done was fly to New York City, bus to Buffalo, and then, I mean, fly to Buffalo and then bus back home. But thank God my visa came through after I booked the ticket. So I just climbed off the Toronto, you know, airport and went home and I never boarded the New York flight. But like, these are the kinds of things that we as South Africans have to do. How does a Canadian travel? Let me show you. Can I wake up one morning. Hey, should we go to England? Yeah, sure. Go book the ticket, get on the plane, go to England. You might think that was such a pointless story. That is why I'm telling you that story, is that actually, as a Canadian, you've probably got one of the best passports in the world. And we're going to do some ministry in South Africa. We're going to do some ministry in Zimbabwe coming forward, ministry in Mexico. I want to say to you, Canadians, that money that you save up for cottage life, or I don't know what it is, like being able to be with the worldwide church is, is eye-opening. It will change the way you, you are a, as a Christian in Canada. And um, I'm just done with you guys, with, with listening to Canadians saying, yeah, I'm not too sure if I'm going to go. I'm going to make you go, all right? Because you don't understand how easy it is for you to travel. Okay, and so that is, that is the last little bit of raving that I, that I think I've got. I've left a few things out here because even myself, I'm so hot, I need to stop talking right now. So uh, anyway, we are so thankful to be back. We had 90 consecutive Sabbath days. And I trust that it developed a new rule of life for me that would spill over into, into a new rule of life for you, where the Sabbath becomes fairly, uh, a fairly high value in our community. Um, not to you know, sit back and waste time, but to invest in friendship, family, fun, and our faith. All right, so thank you so much for you know, allowing me to just give you a little glimpse. And uh, you know, over the time, we'll share some more. But uh, this is it. So uh, we're going to get to meet a few people now. And uh, if you're uh, watching online, I guess you hang out some more at your watch parties. But uh, thank you so much for uh, you know, embracing us and welcoming us back as you have, as we have felt your love today. Thanks, guys. <laughs>